So that was festive and fun, right? Cinco de Mayo's coming up. That's a good time. Um, we're starting a new series, obviously, called Let's Talk About Jesus. It's, it's a play on words, because like, let's talk about Jesus, but then it's tacos. And just to get like a general vibe of the room, how, we, how do we feel about tacos? Good, right? Yeah. Tacos are amazing. So there's like two types of people, right? There's people who love tacos and everybody else who's wrong. And so... Tacos are amazing. And so I just wanted to like get a feel for who I'm talking to. So I'm going to, let's go ahead and throw our hands up if you prefer soft tacos, right? Where are my, where are my soft taco peeps at? And then uh, throw your hand up if you're wrong, right? Crunchy tacos, like what are you doing? You're eating chips. It's just, I can't handle it. Like they don't, I don't know. It's weird. They don't taste good. Like the, the white, you know that TikTok, the white people taco night. And you got like the, the taco shells from the grocery store and ground beef. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Wow. That's not how I like to get down with tacos. You know, I prefer like the little, like the, the tiny little ones that are like $5, the little corn tortillas. Yeah. And you're like, you pick it up and everything falls out immediately. So you're like, well, that was great. And then you, uh, you put down like three or four more corn tortillas. And then it's just like, you got the ratio all wrong. I'm talking a lot about tacos. That's not why I'm here tonight. I'm here to talk to you about Jesus, believe it or not. And so we're starting this series. Let's talk about Jesus. And the point is we want to learn more about Jesus. So we're going to take a few weeks and we're going to learn more about like, the life of Jesus and some really big high points in his ministry, not just what we know about him, which happens to be the most important part. He died on the cross for our sins. I'm not trying to minimize that at all, but just other things that he did throughout his life. And so tonight I want to hit on a story that um, you probably have heard, but um, I want to look at it from a different angle. And that's when Jesus was in the desert and faced temptation. And that's going to be in Matthew chapter 4. It's found in other places, but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I want to pause, because how sick would that be, right? If you had the power to turn rocks into bread... You guys are lying. That would be the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it would be so sick, right? But, um, you know, I think it would rock. Yeah. Yeah, no, the jokes don't get better from here. So buckle up because that's my bread and butter, people. Moving on. <laughs> but Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, what Jesus is saying here is that people don't need just bread to live. They need to live by what God says, the word of God. They need to be plugged in to what God says and how we should live our lives. And I'm totally for that. Let me hear, <laughs> like, that's just, let me start there. I, I get what Jesus is saying, I'm on board. But like, just from a food perspective, breadsticks, right? Like, I could live on just breadsticks, definitely. You know, Jesus, like, hear me, Lord, I, I get what you're saying. I'm on board with it. But like, cheddar bay biscuits from Red Lobster, I'm, I must be hungry because I'm talking about food a lot. Let's keep reading. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. I love how the devil like comes at, who was an angel, by the way, and fell from heaven and was created by God, who Jesus is God. I wasn't sure if you knew that, but um. The guy who created him, and he's like coming up to him, he's like trying to trick him. It's like, bro, he knows the whole plan. But that's the whole idea of Satan's plan, right? He's trying to trick the human part of Jesus into giving in to him so to stop the whole plan of salvation, right? And, and I think that that's one of the reasons we find Jesus out here in the desert fasting. You know, fasting is a spiritual practice or a spiritual discipline of going without food so that you can be sustained by God. It's like a time of prayer. You give up food so that you can like prove to God like your word, the bread of life, who you are, God, is what sustains me. It's bringing your desires into line with what God wants for your life. It's taming your desires. It's taming your flesh. Like our, our human nature, our flesh is so strong. Our desires are so strong that we need to bring them in line with what God was saying. And Jesus being fully God, right, came down from heaven to be a man, right? And so he had this whole human side of him and he knew that that part of him was really strong and had really strong desires. So you, when we fast, when we take this time to pray, we're telling our bodies, Jesus was doing this as well, we're telling our bodies that the spiritual food we get from God is more important than the physical food we get. Our spiritual needs outweigh our physical needs. And so we are taming our flesh. We're taming our desires. That's what fasting is doing. And that's why we see Jesus here in the desert because untamed desire leads to sin. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus sinning because that was impossible. He is a perfect um, Perfect person, never sinned, never did anything wrong. But we are a different story, right? We sin all the time. So I want to look at this story and, and how do we tame our desires? How do we overcome temptation? I think when we look at this story and what Jesus went through in the desert, we're going to see some really cool stuff on how to overcome temptation. Because remember, temptation is basically bait for your untamed desires, right? That's the whole thing that the, the, the devil's trying to get Jesus to, to do here is take the bait, is to give up on his plan, to give up on his mission, to give up on his purpose, to get what the devil has to offer him, which is nothing important anyway. So we're gonna land right now in our first point, and it's called make time for God. So Jesus made time for God, right? To start right out, right out of the gate, 40 days in the desert to fast, which means his intention was to spend 40 days alone with God. No distraction, nothing. Just him and his dad hanging out in the desert. Sounds like a good time, right? My dad took me to the desert for like 14 days once to 85 mile backpacking trip. And it was, I bet I had a, just about as bad a time as Jesus did. <laughs> no, it was fun. Like you know, I got to hike and spend time with my dad, but backpacking's hard and freeze dried food gets to you after a while. Anyways, 
We need to make time for God because an overtired, overworked soul will find comfort outside of Jesus. And it's too, we're too tired when our spiritual tank is empty. We're too tired. We're too stressed out. We're too empty to be seeking him. So it looks like we go for the easy fix, right? When we need comfort, when we're stressed out, we go for the easy fix. And that's why it's important we're plugged into God because God should be our comforter. And, but Getting comfort from God requires a relationship with him. It, it requires intimacy with him. It requires work to get that comfort. That's why it's not the quick fix. So whenever our tanks are empty, especially our spiritual tank, we'll look for the path of least resistance, right? Um, we'll find the easiest way to get comfort, whether that's food. I mean, how many times have you like had a hard day at school and you just want to hit the Taco Bell drive through on the way home because you don't want to worry about dinner? Like I... I had body by... Well, not anymore, but body by Cheesy Gordita Crunch. Am I right? And so... Or whether it's entertainment. How, how many times have we found ourselves alone in silence in our thoughts and we just can't handle it, right? So we, go to, we get on Instagram, we get on Netflix, we get on TikTok, and we're, we're just scrolling, we're trying to fill our time because that's comforting to us. And the problem is with that easy comfort is it's addictive. And here's why. We will always look for the path of least resistance when we're in a place of emptiness. And almost always, the easiest comfort is the shortest lived. And what I mean by that is the easier it is to obtain that comfort, the quicker it disappears. So let's say you, had, you bombed a spelling test or history test or whatever it was at school and you're all stressed out about it. So you, you go to the cafeteria and you buy, I don't know how cafeterias work anymore because I'm really old. Um, but when I was there, there was like a little like snack counter thing you could just get like cheese fries. So let's say you get cheese fries, which are not good for you. We can all agree that they taste good, but they're not good for you. So you buy the cheese fries and you eat them and you feel comforted. But then you're in your next hour class and you start to fall asleep, right? Because you just ate junk food and you kind of get heartburn and you feel bad. Do you guys get heartburn? No. Anyways, the easiest path of comfort is always the shortest lived. And so you get that quick fix, but then it disappears. So then your body needs comfort again. So you circle back around to that quick fix. And then you go for comfort again and it disappears. And then you can see how you get stuck in this cycle. That's how addiction works. That's how we get addicted to things like cigarettes or food or porn or things like that is it's a quick, easy, like brain high hit, but it disappears so fast. And so that's why that is unhealthy. Comfort outside of the Lord is always a bad plan. We are terrible at providing our own comfort. That's why we need to depend on God for comfort. It's one of his names. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. He is our comfort and we should be seeking him. That's why our first point is to make time for God. Connect with God. And that is one of the ways we overcome temptation. You see, when Jesus was at the end of a 40-day fast, the enemy came and tempted him. And we read this and we see it as like Satan trying to kick the enemy or kick Jesus while he's down, right? And imagine, like, imagine you fasted without, for 40 days, like no eating for 40 days. I have a hard time going 40 minutes without eating, like 40 whole days. Like, I don't know the math on what 24 hours times 40 is, but it's a lot. And so to not eat for that long and then have somebody come, like your little brother come in and just start pushing your buttons, right? Just immediately start trying to like get, get you'd hit him, right? You'd lose it. You'd not handle that, that situation like Jesus. But Jesus... You see, Jesus might have been at his weakest point physically, but he was at his strongest point spiritually, right? Because he had no distraction at all. 
He was just continually plugged into the Father and his voice and what God wanted to do in his life. And so Satan thought this was a good time to try and trick Jesus because he was physically weak. You see, Jesus had a body just like we did. Being God's son didn't necessarily benefit him in this moment because he had a human side. And the reason he had a human side is because he had to physically be broken so that he could pay the price for our sins. So Jesus, just like us, had a body that he had to discipline. He had to discipline. He had to choose to fast. He had to choose to put his own nature, like his own needs to the side so that he could live out God's plan for his life. Could, could, have Je- could Jesus have easily like provided for himself, made those rocks into bread, right? But that's not the point. Like Jesus had the power to save himself, to feed himself, but that's not what he was here to do. Why would Jesus intentionally endure 40 days of fasting, like 40 days of suffering, and then go through temptation? Could it be that Jesus knew what was coming? Like Jesus knew what he was going to have to do on the cross, and he knew that that was going to be hard, and he knew that the, that the hu- human flesh is strong. And that our desires are strong. And and we often want to escape pain, right? That's why we end up in addiction. That's why we end up with unhealthy coping skills. Because we don't want to deal with pain. Could it be that Jesus knew that about human flesh and was trying to get ahead of it so that he could stand in our place? The truth is, is that although Jesus was at his weakest physically, he was at his strongest spiritually. He was choosing to be disciplined through being completely filled and connected to God, to intentionally endure pain and hardship for the sake of reaching a goal or fulfilling a purpose is called discipline. It's choosing what's important over what's urgent. It's choosing what matters most over what I want right now, right? Discipline is hard, and and it's it's so hard if you're not connected to God, especially when it's a God-given purpose, right? We have to know what the Father is saying. We have to know his will for our life. We have to know the why so that we can endure the pain. We're really strong. God made people extremely strong with the ability to be disciplined, and that's how we get to where God is trying to get us, is through discipline, and we have to be disciplined in making time for God. If we will make space to connect with God, temptation becomes a faith-building moment. It's not easy to resist temptation, but if we are totally and completely focused on Jesus and we are full spiritually, we can deal with temptation and the enemy much more easily. Making time for God leads us to a place where we can come to our next point, which is make a decision. Making a decision or a commitment gives us a reason not to take the bait of temptation. It gives us a reason to say no. Because when we've said yes to what God has called us to do, when we say yes to whatever that goal is, whether it's running a 5K or um, a weight loss goal, or you're going to try and get a 30 on the SAT, or you're going to try and ace your um, AP class so that you can get college credit, whatever it is, when you've said yes to that really hard goal, you've already said no to everything that distracts you from that. When we are plugged into God and his voice and his word, we can objectively look at what he's trying to get us to accomplish and his will for our lives. And then we can decide what to do. So I like to call it pre-deciding. Like I go into whatever situation I've pre-decided what I'm already going to do. That way I don't have to like 
think on my feet because I'm not that great at it. Um, so if you commit to growing, meeting a goal, or beating a sin struggle, you've pre-decided, right? You've already said yes to this, which means you've said no to this. And when you've pre-decided, it makes it easy to say no when temptation arises. I mean, we see this in Matthew 4, uh, verses 3 and 4. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. That's the temptation, right? Jesus is hungry. This is the end of a 40-day fast. And Satan's like, hey, you know you can do this. Just take this rock, make it into a Texas Roadhouse roll. Boom, you're good, right? And, and Jesus is like, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus had pre-decided. He had already made up his mind that he wasn't going to give into temptation because his purpose, his mission, his why he was fasting in the desert was so much bigger than his hunger. Jesus had the power to make those stones into bread, but he chose not to. To truly accomplish his mission, Jesus had to completely humble himself, humble his human flesh, his, his fleshly nature, and set it aside. Making food for himself would have shown a self-serving nature, and that's not who Jesus is, right? That was not the point of why he came to earth. He came to earth to do the most selfless act possible, which was die in our place. So Jesus pre-decided to do that for us when he came to earth so that the temptation from the enemy to give in and eat was already a no from the start. He pre-decided. He had already agreed to God's plan, so everything else is a no. So when we find ourselves in a moment of temptation, we need to look at our goal or look at our mission or our purpose, and we need to measure what our decision is, right? So by deciding to give your life to Christ, you've already decided not to look at pornography, by deciding to live your life for Christ, you've already decided not to live a sinful life, right? You've already decided that gossip is not okay. You've already decided that breaking the law, that drinking and doing drugs, these are wrong because we've already decided to follow Christ. We know the, the, the law, what the Bible says. We've pre-decided. By deciding to go on that diet, you've already said no to eating Chick-fil-A every meal, which I know is like borderline sacrilegious in this room, but like, it's not worth it, right? By deciding to run that 5K, you've already said no to spending your Saturday playing video games instead of running, and no, running in the video game doesn't count. When you say yes to something, you've automatically said no to hundreds of other choices and temptations. Now, sticking to that no can be a challenge, but you've already decided it, right? You've already said no. Like, you, you don't have to decide in the moment because you already decided, right? So let's say you are going to run a 5K and your, your friend, like you've planned to train and the next morning you're going to get up at 6 a.m. and you're going to run three miles, which is a 5K. And you're like, I'm training, I'm going to do it. And then your friends text you like, hey, we're going we're gonna to get on Warzone right now. We're going to play till like three in the morning. Are you in? Is it a good plan to then play the video games until three in the morning and then get up at 6 a.m.? No. It's not, in case you were wondering. So that's not a great plan because you're going to be tired. You're going to be cranky. You're going to be grumpy. You're going to get to a point where you can't train, but it's easy to say no to them because you've already decided. Our spiritual victories may not always be visible to the watching world. They may not always be visible to onlookers. So your decision to skip squad time on Warzone or your decision to skip lunch with your friends, your decision to, to Go in after school and get help with math so that you can get a good grade on the test so that you can get scholarships may look w weird to people in the world because they don't get it, 
right? Nobody sees your goal. Nobody sees the process you're going through in your heart. And so you've already pre-decided. And when you pre-decide, it, it's, a, it's a private victory. So you have to be okay with knowing that, like, I decided internally, and what everybody else says doesn't matter, right? Once we've made time for God and we've made our decision, we then move on to point three, which is make a plan, all right? Make a plan and stick to it. So often we fail and fall to temptation because we are simply unprepared. You know your triggers. You know what sets you off. You know what stresses you out, right? So make a plan to avoid them. Make a plan to like safety guardrail yourself from them and then stick to it. I mean, simple as that. I'm not even going to flower it up and make jokes about it. It's literally that simple. Make a plan and stick to it. If you have a plan, you will be successful because you've taken out the variables out of the equation. You don't have to improvise because you've already got a respond. Make a plan and execute the plan. Like for instance, our staff here at the church, we do a staff retreat every year. And we go up in the mountains and Pastor Tim, our boss, buys the most ridiculous amount of junk food to bring. And it's awesome. Like normally I would be all about it. But right now I'm on a diet because I made the choice to lose weight and change my life, change my health goals. And so I made a plan. I, I made time with God and I heard that he, from him that he wanted me to change my health. He wanted me to treat my body with respect, like it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. So I made a decision to do that. And then I made a plan. So up at this lodge we go to, they make us breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it's always like really salty, good, yummy comfort food that's probably not the best for you. And so that paired with this like schmort, you know, like the Last Supper, the Thanksgiving like table, it's that, but with like zebra cakes and Pop-Tarts and chips and like those little waxy chocolate donuts that everybody loves that inexplicably, they're great. I don't know why, but they're made of wax. And anyway, it's just all the junk food you could ever want. And that's a big temptation for me, but I had already made a plan. I was like, no, I'm not going to eat any of that. So I brought all my own little diet snack bars and my own, like I brought turkey meatballs and broccoli and I packed it with me. Right. And I get that it was like a dorky thing to do. I had my lunchbox and I went on a trip, but I made the plan because I made a commitment. I didn't want to fall to temptation. When you have a plan and you stick to it, you will be successful. Jesus was able to respond to the enemy's temptations with scripture because he had a plan and he knew what the enemy was offering up, didn't line up with where God was taking him, right? It was easy for him to say no when he had a plan. He kept retorting back with scripture, right? Jesus would be, or Satan would be like, turn these uh, rocks into bread. And Jesus said, no, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He had a response. He had a plan. Make a plan and stick to it. When facing temptation, all of this stuff that I've been like rattling off and, and trying to explain as best as I can, all of this can be boiled down into one question. So when you're like, you have this goal, you have what you're trying to achieve, and, and you find that temptation has arisen, and you're like, considering it, it can be boiled down to one question. Is what I want now more important than what I want most? Is what I want in this moment, is this temptation worth it? Is it more important to what I want now than what I want most? In this moment, if I want to give into lust, to give into addiction, to gossip about other persons, to eat junk food when you have a fitness goal, to take out student loans when you know you want to be debt free, is that what you want right now? Is it worth what you want 
most because oftentimes those things will get in the way of your goal, but it's your choice. It's your decision. Jesus decided he would come down from heaven and take on the burden of humanity's sin so that we could live freely and love him and spend eternity at his side. And that meant dying on the cross. And in order for that to happen, Jesus had to have such an impactful ministry that he would completely interrupt and disrupt the status quo of Jerusalem and how they thought about God and how they thought about the kingdom of God and how they operated as a people group. And in order for that to happen, Jesus had to have such an impactful ministry that he had to be completely connected to God for his ministry to make any difference. And so Jesus had to be completely selfless and choose willingly to die in our place. Jesus wasn't forced to make that choice. He chose that, and he started early with a decision. We see this when he's in the desert, right? He started out by making time with God. He started out by start, like, having just a huge chunk of time, 40 days just alone with God to seek him, to pray, to worship him, to be fully connected with him. And then he made the decision, right? He pre-decided. He predecided that, that you were worth dying for, that you were worth enduring all the suffering, that you were worth the hanging on the cross, all of it, that you were worth every bit of it. And I love this story with Jesus in the desert because of all the wisdom we get, but I love how it wraps up and then what happens next in the Bible. You see the next section in Matthew chapter four, it's subtitled, Jesus Begins His Ministry. So Jesus officially started his ministry after spending 40 days alone with God. After having endured 40 days of pain, showing us that when we have a big goal, a big purpose, a mission, God's will for our life, we can endure suffering. When your why is really big and really worth it, you can endure pain. You can endure discipline. So whether it is good grades so that you can get into college on scholarships, or whether it is working hard at a job so that you can buy a car, whether it is a fitness goal, whatever it is. For me, it was weight loss, right? So my entire adult life, I've struggled with my weight and my self-image and, and my health. And, and so I always lived my life by this idea that like I was invincible, right? I'm young. It doesn't matter. I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can stay up late. I can, I tell my body what I'm going to do and it just follows, which worked out for me for a little while, but it took me about a decade to figure out that it didn't. Um, and so I started my adult life going to college for music. And, and I don't know how many of you know what it's like to be a music major in college, but the, the culture around it can be a little toxic. You know, it taught me a lot of bad habits. It taught me that I should stay up late all the time, like way too late. And I should work really, 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 really hard without ever taking a break. And that I should eat whatever I want whenever I can. And that I could constantly eat and that I just generally deprioritized my health. And so I find myself last summer, 250 pounds, which is like 70 pounds overweight for me. My resting heart rate is in the 90s, which is not where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be in the 50s to 60s range. And I just was generally unhappy and unhealthy. And so it, it all kind of came to a head in December. And, and I got home from the hospital with my daughter. She had heart surgery, all this stuff. And I just, I coped with that stress however I could, which was mainly food. I just ate and ate and ate and ate. And I found myself just giving into temptation to just eat my feelings, to eat my pain. 
And it got to the point where eating and food was where I found my comfort in all situations. And I wasn't going to the Lord for comfort. And food became this big idol for me. And it was a really big problem, a really big temptation. And, and it got so bad, and, and you're going to laugh at me, but this is not a joke. This is real. I would bend over to tie my shoes, and I would start pouring sweat. And so I had to make a change. But I had tried for years to make a change. I had tried for years to diet and get healthy, and I always failed and would always end up right back where I started. And the difference was, is my why. You see, last summer, I came to terms with, like, the frailty of life. You know, I had a brand new daughter who, six days old, had open heart surgery. Six days old, was flown to Children's Hospital, and I had to have this life-changing, life-altering, life-threatening surgery. And it was scary. And I really faced mortality for the first time in my life. And so the why became... I want to be healthy so that I can be there for both of my daughter's weddings. I want to be healthy so that I can play with my kids. I want to be healthy so that my wife and I can celebrate 25 years of marriage. I want to be around for those things. But the temptation was, is that's hard. It's going to be hard. I'm going to have to work really hard to do that. And so the temptation is to quit and to not, and instead, like, do my best to be a happy, present father. But, but when I'm sweaty tying my shoes, I can't be there on the floor playing with my kids. The temptation was to give up, but my why was bigger than the temptation. So here I am today, 43 pounds down out of a 60-pound weight loss goal. And so I'm not there yet, but I'm still going. And, what, and, and I'm not saying this to like push dieting on you. I'm not saying this to like elevate myself and make it seem like I'm this super, I'm just a normal guy. Like I, if it, the point is, if I can do it, so can you. I'm not some special, like, super disciplined fitness freak. I don't have like a magic pill. I don't have a secret sauce. I'm just a guy who heard God call him and say, you need to change. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I made a plan, and I stuck to it, and I'm sticking to it. Guys, it's, it's a simple, simple formula. And so whatever that is for you, wh- whatever it is, whether it's, I really want to be debt-free so I can change how my family looks at money, so that I don't have to grow up, my kids don't have to grow up the way I grow up, or I, I want to go to college on scholarship, on football scholarship, or wrestling scholarship, or, or I want to buy myself a car, and so I need to get a job, and I want to work. Whatever that hard, impossible thing you've always wanted to do is, I just want to encourage you that you can do it. You are capable. God made us incredibly strong so that we can overcome hardship in our lives, but we can't give in to the temptation. We can't give in to the temptation when it's easy to quit, right? When it's easy to find comfort in that moment. Discipline is hard. And I've always thought it was interesting that when you're a follower of Christ, you're called a disciple. And disciple and discipline are almost the same word. It takes discipline. It's hard to follow Christ. It's hard to not give in to temptation, but you were created for it. 
And so I want to encourage you, if you have a giant goal that you've, that you've wanted to do, or you have, you feel like you know what God is calling you towards, but you don't know where to start, come talk to one of us pastors. We'd love to help you find your jumping off point, your why, and help you make a plan, help you find the time in your schedule to make time for God, all that stuff. We really want to see you through this because we're here for you. We're calling for you to step into something greater. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you so much. Jesus, I I just thank you for every single young person in this room, every person in this room, God, who has a big why and a big goal. God, I pray that you would call them to the threshold of that decision and that you would give them the wisdom on how to take those steps. God, that they would see that they are strong enough to overcome temptation, that they are strong enough, God, to, to overcome what the enemy will throw in front of their feet. Lord, I pray that you would give every single one of them a spirit of boldness, a spirit of confidence, a spirit of tenacity to walk into the face of temptation and say, no, I have already decided. I have decided to follow Jesus and I will follow what he has called me to. Lord, I pray that you would give audacious faith and holy boldness. And Lord, I feel like I hear a call right now that this is, this is for somebody, this is evangelism in their school. God, you are calling somebody to share their faith in their school, and that's hard to do in these times. God, it's hard to be a Christian in these times where, where culture says how you, what you believe is wrong, that you should accept everybody blindly, all of that. Lord, I pray that you would give that person an audacious faith and a holy boldness to stand in the gap. God, to pray for those who are lost, to seek the lost and to bring them to 4640. God, to bring them to church. God, I pray for the bold ones in this room to stand up and say no in the face of temptation, the the temptation to hide, the temptation to put their light under, under wraps, God. I pray that you would just ignite the fire in these young people to go out into the schools, God, and share what you've done in their lives. And God, whether that is that big ask, whether it is losing weight, whether it is becoming the the state champion in wrestling when you never thought you had a chance, God. I pray that they would use that as an evangelism tool, God, a holy, bold move to stand and show that you are how we get past adversity. You are how we give past hardship. God, we love you so much and we thank you for the testimonies in this room and how they're going to come about. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.